Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm David Lally, producer of the show, and I'm excited to share this episode of Brian recorded at a live event called Mastermind Summit that he hosts every year in San Diego. Today's content, The Ten Vows of the Rich, is inspired by a book written by Ogmandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World, Part 2, The End of the Story. If you missed the two-part series Brian did covering the first of The Greatest Salesman books, check out episodes 171 and 172. But for now, let's listen in. So today we're going to cover The Vows of the Rich. Interesting word, rich, isn't it? Purposefully use that word. I typically don't use that word, do I? I'll use words like how to build a fortune and things like that. But I purposefully use the word rich for a number of reasons. One is to really define what rich is all about. About six weeks ago, I had lunch with a billionaire. He's the poorest man I know. So when we're talking rich, like Black Forest Cake is rich. Oh, I got you now, Donna. You're right with me now, right? You're kind of uncomfortable. It's not politically correct to say rich anymore. But I give you a Black Forest. You're like, mm, okay, okay. What else? What's your other dessert of choice? What's that that's really rich? Cheesecake. Cheesecake. And the word is, it's very what? What we're looking for is a rich life. A rich life. Rich life's important. It's the good life. And one element of the rich life, we have five circles. One of it is finance. And I go back to the very start of it all. When uh, Bev and I are getting pretty serious, we get to go down to Sumter, South Carolina. So I go down, I get to meet Sally Bell and Cleveland Krosky. And Cleveland was a man of few words, but he gave me the greatest finance session of all time. He didn't talk to me for two days I was down there, just looked me up and down and wasn't sure what he was looking at. He'd never seen one of me before down in Sumter, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sally Bell, she'd point her finger and say, little Irish boy, can you get me some iced tea? Little Irish boy. So she called me little Irish boy, which was an improvement on what I thought she was going to call me. So finally, before I leave, Cleveland gives me these words that I've never forgotten. He was eyeing me up and down. He knew I was doing my calls, notes, and Popeyes for a particular reason. I planned to close this sale. He's like, you fixing to marry my granddaughter? I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, you remember this? Romance without finance leads to the ambulance. So then I knew, got to get the money if I want to have a rich life. Here's what I know. The good life costs a few bucks. Would you guys agree? John Thompson, uh, the great coach of Georgetown basketball. You remember John? He was seven foot tall, wore a towel. And I remember seeing him interviewed one time. And he's a basketball coach, college basketball coach. He said, I want to be rich. So I want to be rich. And I thought, that's the strangest thing in the world. I, I know somebody wants money, but why do you want to be rich? And they interviewed, asked her a smart question. He goes, why do you want to be rich? He goes, you know, people pray for poor folk. They listen to rich folk. He says, I want people to listen to me. I thought, aha. 
So Ogmandino wrote this incredible book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, 1967. 21 years later, he writes The Greatest Salesman in the World, Part 2. How many of you have read Part 2? Not many people. Exactly. And so this is a very cool book, and the reason I like it, it has a ton of how-tos. Again, it's set in, a, it's set in those times around the time of Christ. It's the same parable-type deal. It's kind of a neat deal. It's kind of the end of Hafed's life, the camel boy that became the greatest salesman in the world, and it kind of shows what he did and what his legacy is. I'll spoil a little bit of it. He became a seminar speaker, <laughs> as all the great ones do. And um, so... There's some great how-tos in this book, and that's what we're going to unpack today. So I'm going to do a personal growth section with you today that's going to show up in the finances. Are you guys with me? And the reason I'm doing all this stuff is there's so many confusing messages. You follow? And there's only one place to come for the truth, and that's right here. <laughs> so we're going to get into the greatest sales in war part two. I'm going to give you the 10 vows of the rich. And it's written this way. It's designed to jar you a little bit. I didn't want to use soft language. I didn't want to do I know for some of you, like your skin crawls at the word of it. Good. Because I want to challenge you with this. And so these are the 10 vows in the book, and we're going to apply them today in regards to finance. Okay, we'll dig in. So I'm going to give you some dynamics right now. We've done a huge amount of study, pulled from all kinds of resources, books, research foundations, and so on and so forth, on the mindset between people who are struggling economically and people who are doing very well. So we're going to call it struggling versus millionaires, right? It's not winners versus losers. It's people who are struggling. Anybody here ever struggle with their finances? Can I see your hands? Yeah, me. I'm put both hands up. Okay? Anybody struggling right now? Anybody knows somebody who's struggling right now is what I meant to say. So here's the mindset difference. So we have to get our mind right. We have to get our mind right. So if you get the mind right, you can do well. Being broke is simply a state of your account. Being poor is a state of mind. You have to fix the mind and the account. You have to do both. So folks who are struggling, here's their view towards savings. Two-thirds, according to the Associated Press, Center for Public Affairs Research, two-thirds of folks in North America, U.S. and Canada, Canadians, you are just as screwed up as we are, two-thirds would struggle to come up with $1,000 in an emergency. Now, here's why I want to put that up. This is the richest country in the world. Never in human history have so many people had so much. The downside is this is also the greatest sales and marketing culture in the world. America exports itself and its culture all over the world. Everywhere I go, you go almost any place in the world, places that hate America, they drink Coca-Cola and listen to the music. I've been to countries that they hate America, but they watch Jerry Springer. Now that might be why they hate America. This is the richest country in the history of mankind. Never have so many people had so much. But what happens is we tend to, no matter how much we have, we tend to overspend that. Are you guys with me? And so in case of emergency, two-thirds of folks would struggle to come up with a grand. Next, how do millionaires view savings? They save an average of 23% of their income. Well, that's easy because they have money. Let me tell you, it's a lot harder to save 23% when you're making that kind of dough. If you make 100 bucks, you should be able to save 23. Where's all the young folks? You're living at home. You're emptying our frickin' refrigerators out. What are you doing? What are you doing? Save your money. By the way, when did millionaires start saving their money? Here's the word. Before. Did you guys hear that word? 
Before they were millionaires, they started saving their money. That's how they became millionaires. Next, folks who are struggling. How do they view college, college education, college financing? The number of consumers aged 60 or older with student loan debt has quadrupled over the last decade. The only industry in the world that doesn't have to cut its prices for competition, apparently, are universities in America. Okay? How do millionaires view college? One in three funded their own college education without debt. Oh, yeah, we're stepping on toes. Credit card and debt. Folks who are struggling, 90% carry a balance. Millionaires, 5% carry a balance. Every day I use credit cards. I just don't have balance. Many people's mindset is, yeah, millionaires, they were lucky. They got it handed to them. They inherit their wealth. So 90% of folks who are struggling economically believe people are rich because their parents were rich and they inherited their money. Millionaires, 86% made their own wealth. They didn't inherit it. Folks who are struggling, they think success and successful people, well, they have a different view of things. They believe 5% of rich people are good, hardworking, and honest. 90% believe fate determines your wealth or poverty in life. So A, if you have money, you suck. You're going to hell through the eye that natal, and you suck. Okay? And so let's see where the millionaires are. On average, it takes 32 years to hit a million dollars in net worth, and 80% didn't reach it until at least 50 years old. Warren Buffett made 99% of his money after the age of 52. How many of you are slightly encouraged by these numbers? <laughs> Hang in there, baby. Keep drinking your green drinks. <laughs> work ethic. Folks who are struggling, 57% work less than 50 hours a week. Millionaires, 86% work uh, more than 50 hours a week. One of the dynamics of that is not because you become a workaholic, but when you really get your game down and you get your finances in order, let me tell you this, you really get to do the work and the parts of the work that you really want to do. And when you really do what you want to do, you really freaking enjoy it. I mean, could you imagine me retired? Beverly, could you imagine me retired? <laughs> yeah, that would be not good. So here's what I want to share with you. There's just a contrast. There's a contrast in thinking and there's a contrast in behavior. Now, listen up. Here's the good. You ready for the good news? There's not a contrast in IQ. Thanks be to God. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this stuff is this. What free markets like this country represents to someone like me is someone who grew up with nothing, had nothing, and came here and then had a motorcycle accident, got into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, would be millions today. In any other country in the world, I'd be stuck there for the rest of my life, and that would be my lot in life. I had a chance to dig my way out of that. Rags to riches. Rags to riches is a common story in America. It's common because the opportunity is here. When the oppression is in place, it becomes uncommon. To whom much is given, much is required. Everyone in this room, we're in a blessed environment, a blessed place. We actually have no reason not to have a rich life. Are you guys with me? Are you kind of with me? Somewhat with me. How many, of you, how many of you know someone close to you who wants you to have more money? Could I see your hands, please? <laughs> Great. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to attack the thinking, and then we'll give you a few how-tos. Are you guys with me? So I'm going to give you the thinking to get your mind right about money so you can get your actions right. 
So here's the first vow of the rich from the greatest salesman in the world, part two. Number one, never again will I pity or belittle myself. Never again will I pity or belittle myself. Errol Nightingale said, self-pity is an acid which eats holes in happiness. Let me ask you this. If you think you can be self-piteous, if you have self-pity, then you are a victim. If you're a victim, you're not in charge. You're not directing. You can't actually change your circumstances. And guess what? You will not change your economic circumstances. If the fix is in and there's no chance for you, then you're right. Are you guys with me? So when someone becomes, and we all have a little, you know, Zig Ziglar was beautiful and how he used to call it the plom party. Remember he used to call it the plom party? Poor little old me. We all have a little plom party. The key is to get over it quickly. Number two, never again will I greet the dawn without a map. Never again will I greet the dawn without a map. Dr. Randall Bell published a book called Seven Rich Habits of Highly Successful People. It's well worth reading. Okay, seven rich habits of highly successful people. He said this, those who maintain both a calendar and a to-do list are 289% more likely to be millionaires. So you have a calendar and a to-do list. Folks who make it with money, they maintain a calendar and a to-do list. Oh, Brian, it's kind of simple. It's kind of old school. Yes, it is. Money's old school. You want to be cool and broke? Or you want to be old school and... Here's the thing. My kids can't quite bring... I'm uncool in everything in my life except one thing. They just can't bring themselves to say, Dad's uncool because he's got this one thing, right? It's just it, right? You want to, you're thinking it, you're thinking it, you're thinking it, but you can't say it. It's beautiful. Number three. Here it is. Never again will I be disagreeable to a living soul. What? You might have been disagreeable to your living soul this morning. But every day is a new day. Every day we begin again. And this becomes one of the vows. Never again will I be disrespectful to a living soul. You know, one of the things is, I love a good debate. Irish people, we love debate. See, there's no debates anymore. What we've settled for is tolerance. We want to tolerate everybody. Tolerate, tolerate. Tolerance, tolerance. Here's the thing. Let's say I go to dinner with you, and we have a nice meal. And then afterwards, uh, the next day, I'm talking to someone, and you happen to walk by, and they say, how'd your meal with so-and-so go? And I go, oh, you know, it was tolerable. And how were they? Well, you know, they were tolerable kind of sucks, doesn't it? You know what's better than tolerance? Respect. Respect for all people. Respect for all positions. Respect. And so, by the way, I'm going to say this to you. I have met a few rich jack wagons in my time, for sure. But I'm telling you, the folks that are super, super successful, this is always one characteristic I see. They tend to be very, very respectful. Oh, by the way, there was a brilliant book written on a subject called The Millionaire Next Door. I highly recommend this. It'll shatter your concepts of who millionaires are. Dr. Thomas Stanley. The number one key ingredient, he surveyed 15,000 millionaires. Took about eight years to write this book. Spent time with them, went to their families, da 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 They said, what was the number one key to success? Number one key for success. The most common answer was that 94% of millionaires said getting along with people was the key. That's just contrary to what everybody thinks. The folks who are struggling says 5% of them. Okay? That 95% are jack wagons and five are okay. It's the opposite. Respectful people. Respectful people. Getting along with people. Building relationships with people. By the way, because building relations with people in business is certainly the best way to build a business. It's also the best way to build a life. Number four. 
Always will I seek the seed of triumph in every adversity. Always will I seek the seed of triumph in every adversity. I will seek the seed of triumph. I want you to say that with me, will you? One, two, three. Always will I So the seed is what's going to grow into the tree. Okay, so this went wrong. What can I learn from it? That's the first thing. This went wrong. What can I learn from it? This went wrong. What can I learn from it? What can I do better next time? So first of all, yeah, yeah. Okay, you take a hit. There's a seed. The seed. You already paid the tuition. You might as well learn the lesson, right? That's the phrase. Tim Fargo says, analyze your mistakes. You pay the tuition. You might as well get the lesson. Next. Number five, never again will I perform my task less than my best. Never again will I perform any task less than my best. If it's on my list, if it's important enough to make my list, then it's going to get my best. Now it's going to get my prioritized best. And here's a great little tip for you for the future of the marketplace. Is these old school principles we kind of talk about here, those are going to be even more valuable in the future. Personal notes are becoming even more valuable than they were when I started teaching 30 years ago. I'm going to make a fortune, another fortune, in years to come. And we're going to be providing training programs to teach younger workers to say please and thank you and look people in the eye and shake their hand. I'm glad for your business. Oh, (laughs) you know what? I may buy everyone a boat. You know what I'm saying? And so here's what happened, because people go, tech, 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 tech. No, it's about options and choice. And in a free market, people have the freedom to choose. Let me tell you, if the experience is better online, you better go there. Absolutely. So one of the challenges today is retail is really struggling. Anybody here working in retail? Okay. So what we have is online versus retail. How many of you have purchased something online in the last eight months? Let me see your hands nice and high. Okay. So online versus retail. How many of you have seen retail stores closing down? Can I see your hands? Now, there's a technology element to this. There's a cultural element to this. There's a distribution element to this. But there's also other elements to this. And the number one element to this is in direct proportion as the online technology improves, service continues to disimprove. I've told this story once or twice, but I'm going to share this story. You know, Christmas in our home is kind of a different deal. You know, we got six kids. I had my first American Christmas when we got married in Georgia. And Julie Robinson likes to shop. She is in the Shoppers Hall of Fame, right, Jim? I mean, she is a, she's got the yellow jacket. <laughs> and so in Ireland, Christmas Day, you know, we used to look in the keyhole and the wind is whistling in. Hey, what's in there? What's in there? I think I saw a ball. That looks like last year. No. You know, we all knew one of us was getting a pair of Levi jeans because my mother used to do this. Levi's were real expensive in Ireland in the 80s. So my mother would take the label off the jeans, cut it off, bit by bit, 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 buy a pair of Mevi's <laughs> for about two pounds and sew the label on. So you knew one of the six of us was getting the new Levi's, you follow? So you got one present. You got a pair of socks, a pair of underwear, and one present. Right, great. And we were happy as clams, and we walked eight feet in the snow both ways, uphill, did everything here. I go to Georgia, and I'm like, Beverly, you guys don't have a tree. She goes, no, it's behind all the presents. <laughs> so I'm sitting down. So first thing, church in Georgia, down south, you go to church, right? And that lasts about six and a half hours, or until people start fainting. 
I'm like, dude, I grew up Catholic. It's 22 minutes and I'm already out the door. What the hell is going on here? Where's the smoke machine? And the letter, and hey, and hey, and hey, what's going on? So we come back. Before we eat, we got to do presents. I'm looking at the presents. I'm like, remember the famine? <laughs> and Julie sits down and everybody, one by one and one by one, and here we go. And I'm like, oh my God, this is an all-day procedure. So great. So then my bride and I celebrate our first Christmas when we have chillin'. And she just like a mama. And it's presents, presents, presents. And every year we always, you know, I grew up and we got one pair of socks and one pair of shoes and this and that. And so anyway, that's not how we do it, obviously. <laughs> so the kids have gotten the hang of this. So now here's how it works. We're very efficient now. The kids make their list. They print it off. They email the list to mom. Mom, once a year, says, honey, we need to go shopping. It's the only time I'm ever invited. Because she needs the big card. <laughs> and now as they're getting older, right, it's all tech. And they, oh, no, they need the new computer. And it's school-related, not school-related. And on the iPad, it's school-related, Brian. Yeah, and, yeah, the Ariana Grande phone is school-related. And... <laughs> okay? Sounds good, honey. One pair of underwear, one pair of socks. So now it's kind of down. So this year we go over here, UTC La Jolla, we pull in, and we're kind of like a military operation right now. You know, we're married 30 years, we know the deal, right? So we pull in, and we also know we don't shop together, right? Because I'm a man, she's a woman, right? Because to me, shopping is very specific, very specific. We came to get a blouse, we go to the blouse store, we get a blouse. It's kind of a hunting, look, here we go. And for her, it's not shopping, it's shopping. And so we don't go to the blouse store when we're looking for a blouse because we have to start at the shoe store. And then after the shoe store, you've got to go to the bag store. And then you're at whatever health store you want. And then at the end of the day, honey, honey, blouse, blouse, where's the freaking blouse? Oh, I didn't really need a blouse. You fall into... So that's not how we do it anymore. So I get the tech... She's going shopping. Boom. See you back here. 45 minutes. Go. Jump. Divide and conquer. I left flank. She writes flanks. I head for the Apple store. Apple store Christmas kind of joy. Walk in. There's blue shirts everywhere. Just blue shirts. The geniuses, they call them. Just geniuses everywhere. <laughs> they got a wall of screens. Wall of screens. There's couches in front of it. There's art being made from Apple stores all over the country. People are there. There's young men in beards and tight jeans and extraordinary coffee. So I go over. Hey, genius. Here, genius. Right here. Got a list. Six kids. Going to spend a lot of dough. Here we go. Here's the list. Make me a happy man. Oh, you need the integral green flux capacitor. Oh, you got to speak to super genius. Just wait right here. I'll be right there. He goes right back. He stands hanging out with four of his buddies. There's four of his buddies talking over here. The geniuses talk to themselves. They never talk to the customers. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. We might not be smart enough to talk to the geniuses. All the customers are like, I don't know what the frick to do. So I'm watching this. I'm watching this. 20 minutes go by. And in my head's going, she's coming. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming back. So, hey, hey, dude, how am I doing with the flux capacitor? As in what the flux is going on here? 
Oh, yeah, 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 we'll get this, we'll get that. We're another 10 minutes go by. Finally, mama appears. Done, done. Bear hunter, no bear, screwed. One job to do, done. How's it going, honey? And then you have to get that, you know, okay. So I call Genius Boy back over and I go, dude, got a bolt. But I said, hey, I get paid for giving unsolicited advice. I said, I want you to know what's about to happen. So we're going home. I'm going to buy all this stuff online. I'm going to spend 25 grand with Apple today, but I'm not going to spend 25 grand in this store. Now what's going to happen is I'm going to wrap up the same pictures the kids sent me, and that's what's under the tree. But I said, here's what's about to happen for you. You work retail. Apple's going to make profit today. Your job just got weaker. I said, just so you know, I know you're selling technology, but man, this is all about getting her done. I said, just so you know, you're in retail. You're kind of an endangered species. So this is the kind of way I love on people. You follow me? (laughs) Am I right? If the experience at home is better than the experience in person, why in the heck? Let me tell you, Zillow and Pillow and all the rest of them, if realtors are going to suck and not follow up and not be on top of it, not care for their clients and not do the details and not be intentional and not go the extra mile, then if you can find it cheaper online, you should do that. Are you guys hearing me? But that's why you guys are going to kill it in the future. Because when you do extraordinary things, when you do those little things, it's extraordinary. Now, but people go, yeah, 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 but these younger people, they don't value anything. The young ones, the millennials, the millennials, they're coming. The millennials, they're coming. They're worse than the communists. The millennials are coming. (laughs) And we always talk in vaunted, venerated terms of the great baby boomers. Well, let me just share with you here. Here's some facts and some stats. This is a little graph here, customer loyalty due to customer service. So these are the people who are most loyal by generation when they receive good customer service. The baby boomers, they come in at 62%. You know the greatest? Ah, 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 boom. Gen Z, which is the younger folks, they're not really as consumer driven yet. 65%. 68% Gen X, that's kind of me. The millennials, 78%, by far the highest generation ever in regards to their loyalty. They are more loyal to great customer service than any group at all, and it's not close. It's not close. When they get great service, they'll do great business, and they'll tell their friends electronically. They're not old school. They'll tell one person who happens to be at the the baseball game. They go on Instasnap, (laughs) and they tell everybody they have. Is that true? So don't tell me that the great things and the great principles and the work ethic and the customer service going out of style. It's more in style than ever before, and it is trending up. Are you with me? Number six, always will I throw my whole self into the task at hand. Always will I throw my whole self into the task at hand. You ever heard the phrase, that's half-assed? That's someone who threw half themselves into the task. You follow me? Throw yourself into that. If it's important enough to be on your list, all in, get it done, get it done well. Get it done great. One of my economic heroes, one of the business people that I have studied her life is Estee Lauder. And this was a businesswoman a hundred years ago. And one of the greatest businesswomen of all time, and her legacy is her company today, people go, I don't use Estee Lauder, I use Mac, and I use this and I use that. Just so you know, Estee Lauder owns them all. They own approximately 90% of all makeup brands in the world. How did she start out? Saks Fifth Avenue, New York. She wanted to set up a perfume table. They wouldn't let her do it. Wouldn't let her do it, giving her grief. 
She said, look, let me do this. Whatever I sell today, I'll give you the money. In the future, we'll work out a deal. No, 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 no. So she went to the store and she dropped a bottle in the entrance. <sighs> Gee, that's kind of nice. Yeah, I'm right outside. That's how Estee Lauder got her start. This woman worked for it and worked for it hard. She was in when the good old boys network was clamped down. She said, I never dreamed about success. I worked for it. And here's one of my favorite quotes of all time. She goes, I've never worked a day in my life without selling. If I believe in something, I sell it and I sell it hard. People follow the path of strongest conviction. Number seven, never again will I wait in hope for opportunity to embrace me. They say opportunity knocks. Let me tell you, distraction lays on the doorbell. Never again will I wait in hope. See, I want you to circle the word wait. The only time you're waiting is when you're planning. The only time you're waiting is when you're installing. When you put something in play, you have to be patient then. But you don't wait for your opportunity. You don't wait to be... I'm still waiting to be discovered. You guys follow what I'm saying? You go get her done. You go get her done. You go get her done. Okay? Opportunity is always there when your mind is right and when you can actually see it. The opportunities are there. And all of a sudden it's there when you're ready. So when you're working on yourself, when you're becoming all you can be, the opportunities are there. You're not waiting for them. The only thing you're waiting on is for you. Yesterday I shared one of Og's prayers in his book. The only prayer he gives in his book is, I pray that you'll give me abilities to match my opportunities. Number eight, always will I examine each night by deeds of the fading light. So what does that mean? Recap the day. What went well? What didn't go so well? Now, those are the words I want you to use. There's other words I know you want to use. But what went well? This is how it works. What didn't go so well? And what's still left open that's important? That's how I finish my day. So you recap the day, and that leads very well into, then what do you do? A to-do list. If that makes sense, say aye. A little bullet journal like this is a great way to go. Boom. Old school. Now, I use both technology and I use this. Not because I need to double plan, but I need to go physically through the exercise of writing stuff down before. Are you with me? So do that and then go. All right. Number nine. What infirmity have I mastered today? What passion opposed? What temptation resisted? What virtue acquired? This is a great one. A great analysis. Ben Franklin did something like this every day. I think this is part of the inspiration for this particular exercise that Og puts in his book. What infirmity have I mastered today? What passion opposed? What temptation resisted? What virtue acquired? So here's a win. If you're trying to get on track with your eating, here, here's the thing. You need to know America's against you. America's against you. You go to lunch and you order a salad and at the end of the salad they say to you, would you like some... I just had a freaking salad, had no bread. Would you like some? Now, if you typically eat the bread or if you typically eat the dessert, that night when you're doing your recap, that was a temptation resisted. That's called a win. If that makes sense, say aye. You had a win. You had a win. Here's a great series of questions. Did I survive the day without pitying myself? Did I remain alert for opportunities? Did I search for good in every problem? 
did I smile in the faces of anger and hatred? Straight out of the book. It's a great little question. So basically, here's a great tip. I think one of the things you're going to get from this event is this carpe diem, seize the day. Today I begin a new life. Today, today, today. What day do we have? Come on, say it with me. One, two, three. Okay, here's the deal. You come to the end of the day and you do your little recap and you ask yourself the questions. You analyze your day. What went well? Not so well. What's still outstanding need to be done? You can ask yourself these questions. Do a little recap of the day. And then I like to start my day with, I like to get up get the ball rolling, and then once I'm all set and done my thing, then I'll do my to-do list. That's how I do it. But I've done my recap. I've done my to-do list. I will say this to you. Those two habits alone have functionally made me successful. Those two habits alone have functionally made me successful. The recap, and then what am I going to do? Because what happens is you start racking up days. Here's what I got done. Here's what I got done. Here's what I got done. And I have perspective of what I've gotten done because I've recapped. When you don't recap, you're like a little mole. Dig, 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 And then you... And you don't know whose yard you're in. Right? How'd I get here? Right? How'd I get here? And it's because we've kind of lost spatial disorientation. You guys with me? Number 10. Always will I maintain contact through prayer with my creator, the great Ogmandino. All right, just want to keep it real. World Health Organization, along with New World Health, did a survey of millionaires themselves. Here's what they came up with. 69% of millionaires have a deep and abiding faith. I thought they were all going to hell. Does anybody want to hear some good news? Here's the first one. There are 1,700 millionaires made every day. There are 1,700 millionaires made every day. Write down these words. Why not me? Write it down. Why not me? How many of you are already a millionaire? You're welcome. Great. So you'll go down multi-millionaire. Great. Just get to do more with it. Is it all about having more? No, you get to do more. You get to give more. People pray for poor folks. People listen to rich folks. And rich folks are able to affect things positively. Now, let me give you context about rich. First of all, a net worth of $76,500 puts you in the top 10% of global wealth holders. How many of you think you could, everything you had, sell the house, the cars, take a mortgage out on the children? You might have a net worth over 76 grand. Can I see your hands? Nice and high. Right, I want you to put top 10%. In the entire world, in the entire world, about a year and a half ago, there was a missionary in visiting the local church and whatever else. Guy was great. From Africa, he needs a missionary to another part of Africa. And he'd never been to the States and his eyes were just this big. I mean, you come to the States and you come to San Diego, that's a great start. And so his eyes were just this big walking around. One of the things he couldn't get over is that Americans had a house for their car. Now, first of all, he, he couldn't believe everybody had a car, but that Americans had a house for their car and they often had multiple houses for multiple cars, and then they often had another house for stuff that didn't fit in their house. (laughs) How many of you have heard this phrase in the world today, the top one percenters? Right? You guys want to know what the one percent is? A fortune of $770,000 net worth puts you in the top one percent. Now, what really sucks about that for many of you is that you can't throw stones at the one percent anymore. You'd be hitting yourself in the head. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Go make a lot of money. Don't waste your money. Save your money. Invest your money. 
grow your money, take care of your family, have a good life, enjoy the good things of life, and then do some really good things with your money. And then go help some people out who really need to be helped out. Go and help the areas that you have great passion and great fire and great desire for. Maybe the passion is that your money is to give you the freedom to give yourself away, to go do what's on your heart and what you would do if you never needed a dime the rest of your life. And so with the greatest gift you're going to give this world is I'm going to give myself away. And you can do that because you have money. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's so many broke folks have good intentions. I have no time. I have no time. Let's just talk. Let's get in the game. But it's a mind game. It's a mind game. And then it translates into your actions. And then it translates into a couple of little disciplines. You grow your earnings. You keep your budget down. You save. You invest. You grow. And over time, it's there. And it becomes a fortune. That's the mechanics of it. And we spend a lot of time teaching you guys the mechanics and will, and we coach you and do all that stuff. But the mind has to be right. If you feel guilty about having it, you need to go work on that. So let's walk through these 10. We got our 10 vows, do a little prayer. You say that stuff out loud enough, you got a bunch of skeptics in the house, you might have to go into the garage. But I want you to say it out. I want you to say it loud. Every morning, you watch. I'm telling you, I know this is kind of funky, but you get your mind right. What we're forming is neural pathways in the brain. The science is, it's like roads. And if we haven't formed the good things, if we haven't set them, the mind to the heart, out of the mouth, comes what's in the heart. So when we say these things, we say these things, it's like paving that road in your brain. And what happens is that neural pathway starts to fire on its own. And you pave that road and pave that road and the difficult circumstances comes up and boom, never again will I belittle myself when you catch our self-pity. I've caught myself doing it. Boom, it just fires. It'll come right there. You know the negative little thoughts that come to you? You know those? Those are neural pathways. So we want to put the good stuff in. Are you guys with me? Okay. The richest man who ever lived said this. He was a king named Solomon. So when you tell God to do something, you do it now. God takes no pleasure in foolish gabble. Vow it, then do it. Far better not to vow in the first place than to vow and not pay up. So we're going to do these vows. So I'm going to give you a great example of a vow. From my wife and I, we have this movie called The Greatest Showman. And it's just a cool movie. We love that movie. There's a lot of cool things in that movie. But there's one scene. In fact, there's a scene in the movie that actually mirrors to some degree something that happened in Barnum's life. And that is, he comes to the end of himself. He gets oh, so caught up, he puts his head down, he's busy, he's working. He also gets caught up in all the things of this world. And the next thing you know, he kind of messes up, right? Anybody here ever messed up? And then he has some bad luck. Everybody here have any bad luck? He has a fire. I know what that's happened. I've had two of those. His business goes bang. He loses his money. But he's also gotten so caught up in things, he's lost his focus on the most important things in his life. And so he's in a bar. He's lost everything. He's broken promises. He's just messed up. He's as low as he can go. He's at his Ogmandino in the window moment. And he starts singing a little song. And the song is about a vow. And it's about a, a vow he's made to himself and his wife and his kids. And it's a vow. And it's the most powerful vow. And if I was to give an 11th vow into Ogmandino's book, it would be these words, from now on. And he starts singing this song, from now on. And he starts saying how... I drank champagne with kings and queens, so he got the status and the admiration. The politicians praised my name, never a good thing. And he got caught up in all that stuff. Then he forgot what he was fighting for. And for him, it was for his family. 
So he hadn't just lost his good name. He hadn't just lost his fortune. He hadn't just lost all the momentum of his business, but he was starting to lose his family. And he says, this is it. Carpe diem, seize the day. I'm making a vow. And the song is from now on. And I would say this. I've been trying for a couple of days to get into your mind the value of a day. And no matter what you've gone good or what's going great or bad or what's gone down or what's going down right now, you can seize this day right here, right now. You can seize this day and you can make your vows that from now on, things are going to be different. I made that mistake in the past, but from now on. Made this mistake in the past, from now on. Didn't invest it right, from now on. Lost some money, from now on. Said something that upset someone I love, from now on. Say it with me, one, two, three. Well, I hope you enjoyed this life-changing content today. Og might not still be with us, but he remains a powerful and positive force in the world today. For our Buffini insiders, we have a little gift as a way to say thanks. Our team has put together an outline of the vows of the rich for you to keep and review often. This resource, along with the ancient scrolls for success, are posted in Brian's office and also in his home. He reviews them every morning. And now you can do the same. So download your copy at thebrianbuffinishow.com slash insider. If you're not yet an insider, you can join using that same URL and get the resource too. The event today's show was taken from, Mastermind Summit, is a great place to see Brian in person. So if you're interested in attending, visit buffiniandcompany.com slash mm to reserve your seat before they sell out as they do every year. And before we sign off today, as usual, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing from Brian's mom, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Music